0: We are right now talking about the next phase of schools reopening in South Africa, something that is very contentious amongst parents, educators and uh, the community at large. Others are, are for it. Others are against it. But We need to hear reasoning from all sides of the story so that we as South Africans can choose where we go and find out what would be best for our educators and our learners. And we already know that most of the academic year has been eaten away uh, by us being under lockdown. Talking to us about this, we've got the president of NEPTOSA, which is the National Professional Teachers Organization of South Africa, Mr. Basil Manuel. Thank you very much for joining us, Basil.
1: Pleasure to be with you, Patricia.
0: You know, Basil. Today we speak about something that when I, w- when the conversation opens up, as a parent, the anxiety, the butterflies, the unease, and also then the you know that the the confidence at the back of my mind that if I do the right thing, then it's okay. It it just comes up, so it's it's going to be quite an emotional conversation from my side as a parent, and from your side from uh, Neptosa, do you feel that the reopening of schools for the next phase is one that we are ready for as a country?
1: Patricia, um, it, there's a simple answer. But let me first say that as NAPTOSA, we've always stated and we believe that the best place for children is in a school. But not at all costs, because um, at the moment we simply can't see that the department will be ready with the supplies of those non-pharmaceutical intervention measures, the so-called PPEs, that are essential to protect both the teachers and the learners and the non-teaching staff. And that is a a basic minimum set by everybody. And uh, we have almost 6 million children returning, just a little more, in fact, uh, than 6 million. And already we can see at this stage... uh, given that we have done a survey of principals and we've asked them to tell us if their schools are ready and we've asked various questions and the response has been we don't know what pps are we haven't seen a single delivery virtually in every province given the 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 history of the department's efficiency in terms of delivery we can't see that happening before the sixth
0: now basil you know the next phase includes grade r's up until grade threes which are very small children, very vulnerable children. Um, And we know if you can't get a grade 12 learner to sit in their place and not hug their friends, because we've seen this going around on social media. We've heard teachers speak about the fact that even grade 12 learners who are around the ages of 17 up until 19 are not able to comply. How is the system expecting to um, welcome 6 million plus students who are between the ages of 5 and 10 to welcome them in without the proper measures and expect them to comply if older children are not able to?
1: That, that's That's exactly the point. At first, the very notion of having so many children arrive on one day is preposterous. Simply just because the task of simply screening the children, forget everything else, just screening them, will be such a mammoth task. Dividing them into smaller classes becomes another big issue, and I can go on and on with this. So it hasn't been thought through enough, but those are simple things to solve because you can spread it out over the week, which is what we have suggested. However, there are things that are almost impossible to control, and you have just highlighted that. Uh, The little ones. The first thing the little ones do, and I I was a principal of a primary school for 18 years. They would run up to you and just just want to touch because uh, the, the, the sensory perceptions of little children is very heightened but by feeling and touching, they feel connected. And this is the reality of how schools work. And of course, it's going to be enormously difficult. Remember this also comes with an additional form of trauma if suddenly I can't touch and I've always done it why does my teacher not want to have me touch anybody now and so that begins another level of trauma that we haven't even begun to address the anxiety levels of children is what we are so worried about I will talk about teachers a little later but for the children who have come from home, where is it? they've probably, probably been drilled with this, don't touch, don't take off the mask, this is important, please listen. And they come to school and school is suddenly a very, very different thing to what they can remember. Can you imagine the amount of anxiety those little ones are going to come with? And that is what we worry about as well.
0: Are you a parent listening to us right now? What is your feeling? Are you ready to send your little one between grade R and grade 3 out into the big open world that is marred with COVID 19 with the ever increasing cases next week? Are you ready? Are you open to it? Are you an educator? What are your thoughts about the reopening? What are your anxieties? Please do call in on 0891 or 011 714. 4045. You can also SMS us on 41391 or WhatsApp 0614104107. We've got the president of NAPTOSA, which is the National Professional Teachers Organization of South Africa, Mr. Basil Manuel, and he's just giving us where they stand as NAPTOSA uh, concerning this particular issue of the second phase of schools reopening. Basil, would it be safe to 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 say that this academic year has already been tough? And with it being tough, the reopening is going to bring more, and I don't, I don't know, more or exaggerated pressure not only on the learners because that's what we've been looking
1: at, but on the educators. it's been like nothing we've done before. I think everybody will will, will want to forget this year just for the things that that uh, identify as twenty twenty, but. In, in the school, I think we've also been very unfair as the education department because we've hyped up this loss, this issue of loss. And as Nat I've been one of those people that has been constantly saying, what has a grade four child lost in reality? And I'll tell you what we will gain by using the year differently. If in this year and the remainder of this year, we could be taught reading, we only ensured that children's language skills improved, and that their mathematics skills improved. We would achieve more than in any other year before this, because those are the weaknesses in our system. So here's a golden opportunity to forget about the rest. Besides, you can check with any little kid, and you, I, I, I'm assuming you're a mum. If if you have a little kid. That is in grade three, and the child goes to grade four. They can't remember a thing from the previous year. They remember how to write, they remember how to count, and they remember how to read. Mm. And those are the things we need to reinforce. Let's stop hyping up and stressing parents out with overassessment, etc. They are really important things that we need to do. Where our problem lies is with metric, and I do believe that there too we have made mistakes. We are at odds with the ministry. We believe we should have altered the matrix syllabus. But having a high-stakes test at this time is not realistic when children have lost a full term. Remember, there are kids that haven't lost, but there are kids, and ultimately it's your poorer child that has lost more. And to expect them to recover a full term is a bit unrealistic and unfair. We could rather have altered universities would adapt to what we're doing and it wouldn't compromise the quality of the exit certificates. but there is a fixation with the syllabus and the fixation with assessment and as a result we're not listening to reason the entire world has changed their high-stakes exams to exams that are more acceptable and in tune with the reality of what has happened so that too becomes for children uh, you you know if you are a parent of a matriculant, you are a matric yourself. Too. So every single parent is having babies. I'm telling you, they are stressing to no end, and they then stress out their children in return. And of course, the teachers are stressed because the teachers are judged by the past And this is where the great pity lies. We are not. Seen the potential in the year, and there is potential. I've never advocated, and, and we still don't, that we must abandon the year. I've, we've never advocated that we must save the academic year. We've said let's save learning because learning is more important than this notion of an academic year.
0: We'll come back to what you mean when you're saying let's save learning, but let's give our listeners an opportunity to interact with us. Remember, at home, if you'd like to send us a voice <laughs> note on our WhatsApp number which is 0614 104 107, we can't play voice notes that are more than a minute long, so I please do ask you humbly send a voice note that's around 40 seconds or a bit more, but not more than a minute because we are unable to play that. But... On the call, I've got uh, from Pretoria, Lungi. Lungi, good evening and how are you doing?
2: I'm good, and how are you, my dear? Blessed, thank you. I'm good, good. Now, my problem with this matter, I don't know, man, about this organization. I think that the government needs to speak with one voice and allow to direct us where we're going. Because this coronavirus is not going to go anywhere, whether this year or next year. Now we're around 150. By next year, according to the projection, we'll be around 500,000 cases which are positive. So I think the Tosa and the school thing, they have to decide whether are we still going to go back to school or not? Because next year, since January, we're still going to be faced with the same problem. As long as we don't have any vaccine available, we're not going to control this virus. So for now, whether we go whether kids they go to school and you know, they don't go to school, as long as us as parents still going to work, we're gonna come back and to the same kids. And then when they're not going to school, they are still exposed, they go to restaurants in Cape Town. The restaurants were the problem, the, the not restaurants, the the, the the supermarkets were the problem, the working environment was the problem and then after that they bring it back home. So whether Netoza is saying or whether it's that or whoever, I don't understand because the virus is here. The the reason of the lockdown was meant that the hospital must be, was to delay the the, the rate of the infection. Not to say the infection was not going to be there, but to delay the rate of the infection. Now people are busy talking, there's many voices left and right. And I think the government must tell people the virus is not going to go anywhere whether they go to school or they don't go, go to school whether they go to work or don't go to work whether they go to taxis or whatever but we need to have safety measures that will help us to control everything that is what are the safety measures to, to, to control all these politics about left and right and whatever is not going to help us
0: me I want to ask you something do you have children that are of school going age? yes and are you ready for them to go back to school? the thing is Okay, now personally, I'm a doctor. So, so you're the lucky life. guy who's got the inside info. <laughs> okay. So I I go. I'm more high
2: risk than my kids. there are. But high, my
0: kids. Yeah, high risk, but with more information as opposed is, to the it's rest it's of expected. the general no, public. With yeah. More
2: information. The virus, mm. mm. the virus is not going anywhere. The virus is not going anywhere. Whether we're saying we're not going to school now. Okay, let's say January. Then we're having five hundred thousand cases. What, I, what what are we supposed to do? It means that next year must also be in the schooling. It's like saying, going back to work. People are now back at work. But there are cases there and there. You see? And then you need to control what is available in your hand. Because now there's no vaccine. There's nothing we're going to do.
0: So you're going to take your kids back to school? And you... No, I'd, I'd not,
2: for, for, fortunately, my kids are in private school. Already, they are having virtual learning and all those kind of things. They are they are actively participating mm. at school. You I see, th- every day they are act- there was never a single day or one minute, one second they never missed school. They are actively participating.
0: You know, Lungi, I think that's where Basil was coming in to say that this COVID-19 has given us such a huge divide in our community because it's not just the poorer communities. Ordinary South Africans who cannot afford private schooling but are in the working class, their children are dependent on government schools. And because of this, the divide has been bigger. Other kids are still going to school. They've not lost the academic year. But for the kids who of uh, uh, 50 plus in one classroom to one teacher, um, and the classrooms are of small sizes and they don't have the infrastructure to be able to go onto virtual learning, then it becomes a problem. But thank you so very much, Lungi, uh, for your viewpoint. I'd like us to go to Gole. Gole is in Pulukwane. Gole, thank you very much for joining and holding so patiently. How are you?
3: Yes, I'm, I'm very patient.
0: <laughs> I can uh, tell. You see,
3: i i don't understand lungi came very well because he's a doctor mm. he knows that from the day there is a prospect for vaccine i'm not a doctor i'm in the engineering technical field but i understand things how things work it take a minimum of 18 months for that to go through trials and it is certified the maximum could be 24 months which is two years so from the day it is there it will take full two years is Mr. Bezel saying we are going to sit at home until 24 months secondly is the poor who are disadvantaged because they don't have uh, uh, virtual learning the poor are not educated as I speak today but the rich are going on because they can do it from home over the internet and the line so is the poor who are not disadvantaged we want them to go back to school I've got children I stay in Pretoria with my family I've got triplets who are 11 years old and their elder sister who is uh, uh, 13. She's in grade 7. They're back to school now already. The triplets want to go back to school because they're tired of sitting at home. But be as it may, this virus is responsible. You know one thing, I'm a government employee. Government employees are spoiled because they are paid full salary when they're sitting at home. If we say, Mr. Naptosa and Satu, get only 75% of your salary when you're sitting at home, I'm telling you they will run back to work. You say... Only full-time employees will get their full salary. We are spoiled. We are getting full salary. We are afraid of corona, but we are full in the malls every day. We are full in the taxis every day. We know how to use the mask. But at work, we don't go. There's no way we are going to sacrifice this this, this, this academic year. It's only the, the poor who will suffer because we are waiting for our children poor people who are waiting for our children to be educated to pull us from poverty and it will never happen without education
0: Gole, thank you so very much uh, for giving us your um, understanding and viewpoint there. Basil, uh, let's respond. Uh, before, in fact, before you respond, uh, I've got a WhatsApp here. And uh, Anonymous says, I agree with the previous caller being Lungi, uh, that this COVID-19 is not going away, just like HIV, AIDS and Ebola. Things are going to get much worse. So in response to Lungi and Gole, w- what do you have to say,
1: Basil? Absolutely. In fact, we're on the same page. We and I started off by saying we believe the best place for children is in the school, and so and we are not opposed to being at school. What what our issue is is that the safety measures are not in place for the next cohort, and that is why we're saying the next cohort is not ready to come in because those safety measures are not there. But with those safety measures in place absolutely neptosis is fully in favor of the, of the, all the children being in school for many reasons socialization being one safety being another uh, even food being, being being another besides also just learning and i want to agree we've sat with all the scientists we've spoken to them and they too have told us look This thing is going to be around for much longer than most people think. So you can't suspend the academic uh, cycle for a year or two or three. You can't do that. And that is why we're saying, let's get our act together. Government must ensure that our children are protected and the teachers are protected. And yes, we must get back to school. But we can't get back there without those measures in place. That is the bottom line, and that is our objection at this stage.
0: So Naptosa is just advocating for a government to make sure that every single protective or PPE um, measure is met at the school level before the reopening, because you did say initially that you conducted research and you realized that majority of the school principals say that they don't even have the correct measures. Let's go to some of our uh, WhatsApps here. Anonymous says, Hi, Pat, I think reopening of schools is a bit extreme. Some teachers and healthcare workers live in the same household and more cases might arise from there if they don't check that part. And then the second one says, why did they close the school in the first place? Was it because of COVID-19? Now they want to open because of the virus is at its peak. What a brilliant health and education minister we have. And then the next one says, Good evening, Patricia. You know, I find it very difficult to understand that primary school kids are said to be going to open when they really need supervision and cannot adhere to any rules as they are kids. And varsity students, the ones who are more mature than younger kids, are staying at home when their universities can adhere to the rules and the students are more mature to understand the current situation and know how to comply. This is from Gullego in Tata. So, um, varying opinions there from
1: our listeners. Uh, Patricia, if I may, Uh, the scientists have also shared with us that, of course, the the smaller children are less susceptible, and they don't fall ill so readily, unless they, they have a comorbidity. But that is little comfort to a parent who says goodbye to a child in the morning. But, of course, we are also concerned about our teachers because it's not only about the children. Uh, Those little kids may be the carriers and may infect even though we've we've been told that they are neither infectious uh, as as, uh, to the same extent as adults. So that is the type of comfort we have but our teachers are certainly falling ill and as the the one message said People are going to pick it up at home. People are going to pick it up in the supermarket, in the streets where they where they gather and bring it back and, of course, share it. Like we've seen in the school in in Mount Frey, in, in the Eastern Cape, where up to 200 uh, hostel kids uh, fell ill. And for the reality is, uh, we we can see all the pics on television. As soon as the kids leave school, even the high school kids, off come the masks because we are not accustomed to wearing masks and they are uncomfortable and the children can't wait to pull them off so it's about discipline inside and outside and it's going to be it's going to take a long while until we get uh, accustomed to this but the bottom line is school is the best place but under the right circumstances.
0: Now, Sbussiso in Kayalicha in Cape Town says there's no option for a black child in this racial inequality society. You save huge amounts of money so you can take your child to a private school to access the quality education. But because you're staying in Kailicha, your area has bad network signal to conduct a fair teaching and learning virtually. Let's discuss the inequality in the education system of South Africa, mostly during this time. Now, Basil, this is a a real point, a real point. I mean, our first caller, Lungi, mentioned that his children go to private schools. So they have been learning. But majority of children are not able to go into private schools. And those who are in private schools and parents have been able to afford them the opportunity, but live in areas that don't have good network signal, then obviously the inequality becomes even more, whether we're in the same school or not. And why? why what can we do to address the the, the inequality in our education system. Why is it that we cannot then plead with uh, the government to bring up to speed our public education system so that we are not seeing majority of South African children um,
1: in the back foot? Patricia, um, obviously one can't report on everything that happens in meetings, but when the, the unions have met with the minister, one of our big issues was, let's learn from the schools that have managed to have the online lessons, and let's see how we can get it even to the furthest corner. Given that, the the, the the virus may be with us for a long time, there may be greater lockdowns, and then we must have a better reach than we have now. And the first place where we start is to start with the issue of data, because in fact, many, many, many families do have access to smartphones, uh, many more than we realize. But the issue is the expense of the data. And we've already started the process by engaging with government to to apply more pressure so that we have uh, education programs being uh, zero data users. It's a long process, unfortunately. But the important thing is this thinking is there already and it has started already. Yes. There are other methods as well. What we have been encouraging our teachers to do, because our teachers have been at school at the moment, and we've said, let's prepare for the eventuality that we may not see our children all the time. Now, if we don't have the electronic means, of course we have the paper. Let's create the workbooks. Let's create things so that learners go home with, with work to continue doing. So we haven't just been sitting on our laurels and assuming that uh, it's nice to sit at home and be paid, as one of your uh, callers has said. Uh, The reality is we've got to be thinking differently about this all the time. And the electronic means is the means that we will have to go. But it's an uphill battle.
0: Definitely one of those battles that we need to look at. Trisha, what scares me most is that uh, and I'm, I know quite a lot of children who you know, have not stayed indoors during this lockdown and who've been walking up and down, not wearing mask, masks. So those children are, are going to be mixing with the ones who've been indoors during the lockdown period. And also I know quite a lot of teachers here in the Western Cape who've passed away. And I've met some who are very sort of traumatized about this COVID-19. So I don't know, how are they going to cope with the children if they'll be able to look after these kids just to see they don't mix in the playground and they are all wearing masks. So it's it's, it's a tricky issue. And, and I mean, next week it's going to be raining. Oh, gosh, it's scary. Well, it's one of those issues that we, Basil, are obviously we have you here to tell us what NEPTOSA has to say, but we need to wait for um, government to let us know what's the way forward. In closing, Basil, what are your parting words?
1: My parting words are this, uh, as, a, as a union, and I want to say, I can even say, all the other teacher unions want the, teacher, want the teachers and learners back in school, but we've got to also stand our ground when it comes to the inability of government to protect our children. Promises have been made, statements have been made all over, and then principals say we've been given masks that have been stapled. They haven't even been sewn in the Northwest, in three districts. Mm. That is ridiculous. Soap hasn't been provided. So, Basil,
0: I I, I need us to wrap our conversation because Olegat Kodasha is waiting for us uh, (laughs) at the newsroom. Thank you so very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And I'm hoping that next week you can give us time as the schools reopen so we can assess where we are standing. Thank you very much, Basil.
1: Thank you very much. Have a good night.